Thanks for listening to the weekend message from Abundant Life Church. Most weeks on the podcast, you'll hear teaching from our lead pastor, Jeremy Jernigan. We have campuses in Oregon and Washington and are committed to giving ourselves to make the gospel good news for others. Find out more about Abundant Life Church at alcpnw.com. Well, hey, friends, welcome to Abundant Life Church. So great to be with you. So great to join you uh, wherever you are as you watch this or as you listen to this. Thank you for inviting us in uh, to be a part of this experience with you. My name is Jeremy. I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, we're so grateful that you're a part of this. If you're new with us and uh, someone invited you in, you got sent the link or you found it somehow, uh, we are a church about giving ourselves to make the gospel good news for others. And we're going through a series right now through the book of John. And so I wanna encourage you to get your Bible out, get something to take notes with, uh, and we're gonna go and dive right into this together. Now, if you are taking notes, the, the title today, if you wanna write this down and be able to reference this back online or, or in the future, today's title is An Opportunity to Learn. Okay, so you can write that title down. That will help you reference this. And then in our Bibles, we're gonna be in John chapter six. And so I encourage you, like we do every week, get a Bible out, whether that's a physical Bible that you read through each week or a Bible app on a phone or a device, encourage you to read along. Uh, it means more when you see these words for yourselves and, and you learn how to, how to study the scriptures, how to see Jesus uh, as we do this each and every week together in community. And so we're gonna be in John 6 in just a moment. And, and if you're with us last week, uh, Pastor Bob uh, did a great job preaching on the section right before the section we're gonna look at today. And, and, uh, and I gave him a ton of verses last week. It was all in one theme, but there was a whole bunch of verses. He did a great job with it. But he talked about Jesus as the bread, uh, especially as the bread of life. Uh, and, and this is an Old Testament image, as Bob talked about, that they had manna from heaven, which is when they were in the, the wilderness, as the Israelites, God literally uh, gave them food to eat from heaven. So they have this manna image that, that was uh, huge for their ancestors. Jesus is now tying into that and talking about he is the true bread. And, and so last week was just this really very cool picture. And, and then we celebrated communion together. Uh, we ended up having veggie straws and orange juice at my house with our kids bit of a weird communion, but we may do with what we had. A uh, number of you were sharing the different communion uh, elements that you took, but, but we are celebrating that we find our sustenance in the person of Jesus. Now that's gonna continue into today's passage, but you, like, I gotta give you a, a warning, okay? Uh, a, a requisite spoiler alert. Today gets weird, all right? The, the passage today gets weird. In, in fact, it's one of those, if you have been a Christian for a long time, you probably have forgotten how weird this is because you may have gotten used to it. I promise you, if you're new to this and this is your first time reading through John or this is your first time being a part of a church community, this is going to sound all kinds of weird to you uh, and, and I don't think it's an accident and we're just gonna call it what it is and explore why is it this weird? What is going on here? Now, with that in mind, let's go to John chapter six together. We'll begin reading in verse 51. Jesus has just been teaching about how he is the bread of life and, and he had fed people uh, supernaturally with bread. I mean, all this is, is you know, what we see in chapter six. And it is culminating to this very strange climax that we're gonna see here toward the end of chapter six. Verse 51 says this. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. 
I am, Jesus says, the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread, which I offer so the world may live, catch this, is my flesh. It's weird. Then the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How can this man give us his flesh to eat, they asked. Now, I want you just, and I, I love doing this. Imagine you're one of the disciples. You're there in real time. You get to hear this come out of Jesus' mouth. You're standing there. Don't you think there, there's some of them going, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, um, hold on, S- slow down, Jesus. I think that came out wrong. I, I, don't, I don't think you were trying to say that. Um, maybe you don't know how weird that sounds. You just told us to eat you. Like, like Jesus, I don't, I, don't think you, I don't think you meant to say it like that. I know, I know that's like a super weird idea, but literally you just told this crowd that for them to experience life, they had to eat you. And, and so we know that's a misunderstanding. We know that's not what you're trying to say. So if you just wanna go ahead and, and just clear that up and, and just let everyone know that I got weird. Sorry, you said it wrong. Uh, that, that'd be great. Like, I, I think I'd be one of the people going, hey, Jesus, I don't think you wanna tell people to eat you. That, that sounds a little bit strange. But rather than Jesus going, oh, whoa, I'm, I'm sorry. Th- th- is that weird? I, I don't wanna say like that. He's going to double down. Uh, he's going to triple down, quadruple down. He is going to go, hey, I wanna make this so abundantly clear what I'm saying that no one can miss it. And you're not gonna miss it. It is incredibly clear because he's going to repeat this idea over and over and over. Go to verse 53. So Jesus said again, I mean, again, it's almost like he's watching their reaction and they're all like, did he just say to eat him? He's like, oh, that, was that weird for you? So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the son of man, this is the way he often refers to himself, and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. I live because of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate manna, but will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Now, this is so great. Can we just acknowledge this is a weird passage? Now, again, you might have heard this so many times that you're like, no, I know what he's doing here. This is, this is really beautiful. Let's just acknowledge, and again, if you're new to this, it's really easy to acknowledge. This is a weird passage. Quick question for you. This is what I was thinking about this week as I was working on this. Who do we think of that is constantly talking about eating flesh and drinking blood? Who, who, like, when you think about, like, what type of a person does that? Answer, vampires. 
right? That's what I was thinking of. I'm like, vampires are the only real genre uh, that I hear language like this. You don't hear people talking like this. This is not something, hey, hey, if you're gonna be friends with me, you gotta eat my flesh. This is not the way we speak. And, And so we have to acknowledge that we're getting into some really weird territory of what Jesus is attempting to do and the way he's communicating something to us. Now, here's a fun fact for you. You may not know this. You might think, Jeremy, you're getting a little weird with the vampire connection. That's, that's sacrilegious to even you know, make that comparison. Did you know that the early church uh, for many years was accused of being cannibals? This is history. That the early church, there was a rumor going around about this cult called Christians. These, these Christians that they weren't like the other Romans. And I hear when they get together, they eat people. Now you might go, that is ridiculous. Why would they have that reputation? It's because of this. Because Jesus had made it so clear that his followers, you and I, had to eat him. And so when we gathered together and there was this discussion of eating flesh and drinking blood, you can imagine why other people went, that's a little bit weird. I think they're cannibals. I think there's something else going on. Now, here, here's the, the thing that's great. The, the original language is even weirder than, than our English translations capture. Now, in the first two verses that we read, uh, the, the Greek word used there is the word to eat, okay? So literally, unless you eat. But then uh, when, when, you know, Jesus doubles down in verse 53 on, when he comes back and he hits it again, um, he changes the word that he's using. And he doesn't use the word to eat, he changes the word, literally uses the word to chew. Now you're going, well, it's, it, I guess it's similar, you know, that. But it sounds even weirder if you literally translate this back into what he's saying. Let me show you how you can, you can read this with that literally in mind. Verse 54, anyone who chews my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Sound, sound a little bit strange? Verse 57, anyone who chews on me will live because of me. Anyone who chews on me. Verse 58, anyone who chews this bread will not die as your ancestors did. Now let's stop. Let's catch our breath. This is weird. What's going on? Why is this happening? Is Jesus just trying to be provocative? Is Jesus just trying to really use image? He doesn't mean it. He doesn't actually, you know, he's not saying that. He's just using this very bizarre image. Is he just being provocative? What's going on here? I would suggest that this is not a casual, uh, oh, I didn't think about this ahead of time. This is not like, yeah, I probably in hindsight should have said it differently. I think this is an incredibly intentional word choice from Jesus. Now you might go, why? Well, let's, let's put our, our, our uh, frame of reference back into what the original audience would have heard. Now, the original audience was familiar with what we know as the Old Testament in ways that most of us are not familiar with the Old Testament. They would have studied it and memorized it and heard it read over and over. And many you know, uh, of the religious leaders, the Pharisees, they would have huge parts of this memorized. They would just know it. And so with that in mind, how would they have heard what Jesus is saying? Now to us, it just sounds weird. Like, oh, this is bizarre. I don't wanna eat a person. I don't wanna drink a person's blood. Uh, Why are you talking like this? But to them, it would have been even more offensive. 
Now you think, how could it be more offensive than, than the way it sounds to us? Because they had the Old Testament law fresh in their minds to compare and contrast what Jesus was constantly doing. So they're constantly measuring Jesus by the Old Testament. Uh, again, what we know it, they didn't think of it as the Old Testament, but by what they had, the scriptures they had, they were constantly using those to filter and, and you know, uh, rate Jesus. Hey, how does he line up with what we have seen? Now, with that in mind, you find a fascinating concept back in the Old Testament in the book of Leviticus. As Moses is laying out, hey, what does it mean for the Israelites to be God's people? How are the Israelites going to be set apart from other uh, nations around them, other people around them? One of the roles that that God provides to uh, Moses in Leviticus 17 is this. Check this out. If any native Israelites, verse 10, or foreigner living among you eats or drinks blood in any form, I will turn against that person and cut him off from the community of your people. For the life of the body is in its blood. I have given you the blood on the altar to purify you, making you right with the Lord. It is the blood given in exchange for a life that makes purification possible. Now you're going, okay, I'm confused. Um, Literally, the Old Testament tells them, do not touch anything with blood in it. Uh, you, you, you have to remove the blood before you can do this. And then here Jesus is, is using an image very opposite to this. He's, he's highlighting the aspect of his blood. With that in mind, why would Jesus use the words that he's using? Now, I, I would give you two reasons to answer this question that, that I see. Uh, why is Jesus using an image that sounds so contrary to Leviticus chapter 17? Now, I think it's twofold. Number one, I think Jesus is saying that he is greater than Moses, okay? That he is greater than Moses. Now, to you and I, uh, that might not be a big deal. You're like, great, okay, Jesus is better than Moses, greater than Moses, I have no problem with that. But to many of the people that heard him, this was a, a massive uh, point to consider. Could Jesus really be greater than Moses? Now, Moses is arguably the most influential person of the Old Testament. So, so Moses is the guy that, that God had used to, to shape Israel, to figure out what are the Israelites gonna be like. And here, Jesus is putting himself above Moses. Now, this is interesting for a number of reasons. Moses has already been in this conversation. Uh, Bob talked about it last week. When they bring up the manna, and there's the whole connection of manna. That was during the days of Moses. So Moses has already been primed. He's been brought into this conversation by comparison. Well, Jesus, we used to have Moses. He gave us manna. What are you going to give us? And Jesus says, I'm going to give you something better. I'm going to give you uh, real, re, you know, real bread. Uh, okay. And then Jesus, as if thinking, okay, you got Moses in your mind. Let me one-up you on Moses and really make the point. He directly goes against an instruction from Moses. He he takes something and goes, hey, for you to get life in me, you're gonna have to do this in a way that you have been told and you have formulated you were never to do. And Jesus goes, that's how you have to come to me. And you can imagine how difficult this would be for an Israelite at that time. Jesus, we... We don't do that. Moses told us we don't eat blood. We don't, we don't you know, have blood in, in the food. We, like, we, we just don't do that. 
He's just going, no, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. And you can just imagine them. You know, again, however weird it sounds to us, I submit to you, it sounded weirder to them. It, it was weirder to them to go, but Leviticus, but Moses. And Jesus is going, I am greater than Moses. That what I say supersedes what Moses said to you. Now again, uh, if you want to read the Bible and you want to put Moses and Jesus together and go, here's what Moses said, here's what you said, and they're both equal, you will miss what Jesus is doing here. You will miss much of what Jesus is doing, right? Jesus is not saying, yeah, there's Moses and there's me and we're both equally significant voices. Jesus is putting himself above Moses going, no, 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 I'm going to tell you how to interpret uh, the Old Testament. I'm going to tell you how you will find life and I'm going to up the ante in using the word choice of how we're going to do this. Okay, so number one is that he is greater than Moses. I think the second thing Jesus is communicating using the words that he's doing is that life is found in him. Now, if you've been with us through this series, this is one of the two themes throughout the gospel of John. John constantly hits that if you want to have life, you're gonna have to find it in the person of Jesus. Now, again, go back to Leviticus passage. What's the point of the Leviticus passage? Beyond just telling them, hey, don't eat the blood, what was the point? And you may have missed it. You might wanna go back and reread it. But the point is that the life is in the blood. It's this incredible sentence right in the middle of that passage. The life is in the blood. Therefore, there is this holiness to the life that is represented by the blood. And here Jesus is taking that image and he's saying, absolutely, that life is found in my blood. Now, again, this has so many amazing implications. At this point, they're not fully understanding it. We can view this through the lens of the cross. And go, okay, so Jesus is going to go to the cross, literally pour out his blood so you and I can have life. It is a literal reading of Leviticus 17 as applied to the person of Jesus in a way that they were going, whoa, this is not what we saw coming. This is not what we expected to happen. This is bizarre. But Jesus is saying, come and get life in me. But he's doing it in a way that made many people uncomfortable. Now, here's a question that I'd encourage you to write down and something I'd encourage you to wrestle with in your own journey with Jesus, wherever you're at today as well. Here's the question. Is it possible that finding life in Jesus requires an element of discomfort? Is it possible that for you and I to to do what Jesus is asking us to do, there has to be, there will naturally be, an element of discomfort, of pushing us beyond our comfort zone, uh, beyond what we might choose to do naturally, outside of where we feel like we're in control. If we're going to get life in Jesus, will it require an element of discomfort? In my experience, the answer is yes. It, It does require an element of discomfort. But I pray that you and I, and every single person watching and listening to this, would choose to find our life in the person of Jesus. That we would say, we are going to find our life in Jesus. That we would literally say, okay, Jesus, we want to consume you into our bodies. 
Not that we look at you from afar, not that, hey, we're fans of yours. Hey, we think some of your ideas are kind of cool. No, no, we are going to consume you, ingest you into ourselves. We, We cannot get enough of you. That's how we're going to follow you. That we would be the ones who would chew on Jesus moment by moment as we try to process. It's not what would Jesus do? It's what does Jesus taste like? What is Jesus doing inside of me right now? It's a way more visceral way of thinking about this. But what would it look like for us to find our life in Jesus if we fully understood this? Now, as we're gonna see next week, and, and you're not gonna wanna miss next week, it's one of my uh, favorite passages because it's such a profound passage. Uh, it's a very sad passage, uh, but I love what it shows us about following Jesus today. And it's one that uh, I don't think we preach on this passage enough. And so you're not gonna miss next week. But the point is, you're gonna realize a lot of people did not like Jesus talking like this. Now, again, you may think, no, everybody loved Jesus. He, he was this now he's, he's God and man, he's amazing. No, no, when Jesus actually preached things and said things, you have to understand, there were people that went, whoa, no way, not like that. Say it differently, I don't like that. You shouldn't have done that. I mean, just this constant reaction to Jesus and, and you're gonna see it maybe more than you've ever seen it as we look at our passage next week. But, but here's one of the things, as, as I'm working on this message, in light of what is going on in our world right now, Here's one of the things that, that I think Jesus laid on my heart to say, connect these dots right here. And, and here's the line. Sometimes we get stuck on the presentation and we miss the message. Okay, sometimes we get stuck on the presentation on how it is being said and we miss the message. Now, literally, this is what happened in John 6. They got stuck on the presentation. We do not want to eat your flesh. We do not want to drink your blood. Therefore, we're out. They missed the message of what Jesus was trying to say. Well, as I thought about that this week, I thought, wow, why, why would Jesus say it in such a way that people could get stuck on it, that people may not get over it? You know what I realize is this is especially true right now that right now there's a temptation for you and I to get stuck on the presentation and miss the message. Now, this last week, uh, a number of us from Abundant Life uh, participated in the Happy Valley in Clackamas March uh, for, for injustice. And, and that might be a super controversial idea for you. Uh, I had never participated in a march before. Uh, this was a total peaceful march. Uh, about 3,000 people showed up to, to march from the high school uh, all the way to City Hall. And uh, we participated in it with a number of people from our church. And I have to tell you, uh, walking in that march, listening to the chants of people expressing pain, not just like the idea of pain, but this, this collective uh, expression of it, chanted out, uh, s- almost sung back out, uh, of this outpouring of the pain that exists. And in solidarity, 3,000 people carrying this pain together as we walk down the street. As, as I was trying to process, I just had tears in my eyes. I was just overwhelmed by this, of, of the expression of pain, of, of the message that is trying to be communicated. Now here's the reality. Some of the chants I fully resonated with, I fully agreed with. Some of the chants that were being said, I didn't resonate with. I didn't agree with, I, I, I saw them differently. 
But I try to take the posture of a listener and say, you know what? There is incredible hurt right now. How can I go and listen? How can I go be a part of it? How can I get that message? But the reality is you might be so bothered by that, that that the presentation of that, it shouldn't happen like that, may cause you to go, I don't care what the message is. Now, I I got a great glimpse of this this week. I, I started a series on my own blog where I began asking people who have felt racism, who have felt injustice in ways that I do not feel, in ways that I do not know it, just to share their story. And so I began a series called Dear Church on my blog, where I've been asking some friends of mine to say, what do you want to say to us right now? If we just stop talking and we listen, what would you say to us? And, and so far I've, I've posted three of these and I'm learning so much just by listening, by, by, by trying to hear and go, hey, what's the message you want me to get? And, and one of the, the guys that I interviewed this week is uh, a guy named John. And John's a friend of mine for many years. And, and John brought up a story that he had, uh, had experienced recently. And I think this one illustration perfectly explains the tension that many of us are feeling right now. Here's what John said. He said, don't dismiss the narrative that makes you feel uncomfortable or uneasy. I recently had a terribly uncomfortable conversation with an individual who was really struggling with the recent protest. This makes me so mad. They should not be doing this. How disrespectful. When I asked her, why do you think they are doing this? Her response was, I don't care. It's just wrong. And notice what he says. The I don't care is the bigger problem. Her outrage eclipsed her opportunity to learn. It's an incredible line. Her outrage eclipsed her opportunity to learn. She was so bothered by the presentation that she missed the message. And and church, I wanna say to you right now, there are a lot of messages being communicated and the world is changing around us. And as it is changing around us, there are things being said that have been trying to be said for many years, but are now beginning to break through. There are messages that need to be said that are finally being said, but some of it is happening in in, uh, presentations that you may or may not agree with. And so there can be this tendency of, if I don't like the presentation to any degree, I'm just going to dismiss the entire message. And, And yet this is what, they did with Jesus. I don't like you saying it like that. Therefore, I don't have to do what you're asking of me. And church, I wanna say, if we can can learn from Jesus and go, wow, this is a a very unique way for you to say what you're saying, but you're intentionally saying like that, could we try to be the ones who, who get the message that is being said right now, that don't get lost in the presentation, but we are able to really listen, we really able to hear well this message? You know, this week I watched um, what uh, the Reverend Al Sharpton said uh, at the, the funeral for George Floyd. And uh, if you watch this, I watched that clip of that on YouTube. Just incredible the way that Al Sharpton communicated the pain of that community and, and, and put words to it. I wanna close with one of the things that he said because I, I found myself realizing this really is a challenge for us. And this really is what you and I have to figure out 
as we learn how to follow Jesus in a world like right now that is constantly changing, where there is so much hurt, there is so much pain, and there are so many messages that are trying to be heard, will we be the ones who can hear them well? Here's what Al Sharpton said. There have been protests all over the world. Some have looted and done other things, and none of us in this family condones looting or violence. But the thing I want us to be real cognizant of is there's a difference between those calling for peace and those calling for quiet. May we be the church that is not calling for quiet because we are uncomfortable with the presentation, but that we are the ones calling for peace because we can hear the message. Let's pray together. Jesus, would you meet us in this space? As we process John 6 and these words that likely sound weird to us and maybe make us a bit uncomfortable, may we realize that they probably made the original audience even more uncomfortable as they wrestled with it. And yet there's an incredible message there that you want to extend life to us. You want us to find our life in you as, as we literally experience all of you. And so we pray that that would be what happens, that we would be those who are finding our life in you. And because of that, we know how to hear the pain around us. We know how to hear the messages around us. So God, I pray that you would use our church, use the communities that we are in, where we have people, where we have influence. Use us to be your hands and feet. Use us to bring heaven to earth to make things on earth as they are in heaven, that you would use people like us. May we not miss the message, but may we be those who find our life in you and extend that life to those around us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.